Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Quickly, just thanks to my sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Couldn't do the show without them. Got great guests today. We're going to talk about superpowers. Who doesn't want to talk about superpowers? It's going to be awesome. And we're going to talk about leadership training from people that have just a tremendous amount of experience with us. Our guests today are John Reed and Corona Chase. They are with J.M. Reed Group, and we'll find out more about them later. Right now, let me just start off and ask this question. What in the world in business is a superpower? <laughs> <laughs> well, the way this is John Reed, and thank you for having us, and Karina and I are really thrilled to be here. Uh, the, the superpower, at least a superpower is something that we have within us, in, in terms of our, the book that we wrote, that for some reason, and, and usually cultural, usually society, usually growing up, usually a variety of factors which we cover, has gotten submerged. And it's about unleashing that superpower. Like you're talking about unleashing learning and training. It's about unleashing that superpower that we all had when we were younger and somehow lost our way. Karina, would you add anything else to that? Yeah, I think just through our years of training and coaching, what we came to realize was that a lot of the things that were making leaders the best leaders, the most successful leaders were, um, were unleashing and capitalizing on qualities that, that are in them and were in them. Um, but then again, as John said, tend to get sort of um, covered up and um, blocked um, by society, by what the world expects of us. So we, we learned how, these, how what we, a lot of what we were doing in our training was unleashing something that was already there. I'm loving you guys because the word unleash gets bonus points every time you say it. It's wonderful. Um, in fact, your, your book is called The Five Lost Superpowers. And you both mentioned this. These are things that we've lost. Why don't we just start with an example of one of the lost superpowers and what is it? Why do we lose it? And how getting it back, what can it do for us? Karina, you want to talk about authenticity? Sure. And I definitely think we should also include curiosity. Okay. Um, well, we, we, we got time. We can talk about all five. Of them, so don't worry. So authenticity, there. of course, is something uh, that we talk a lot about. It's become sort of a buzzword. It's got lots of different definitions and ways that people talk about it. But uh, one thing I, that we certainly know from talking to people it, through every level of an organization is that people are looking for authenticity. They're looking for authentic leadership. They're looking for cultures and environments where they can show up as their full authentic selves um, and not have to do a lot of faking it until you make it and putting on um, different different airs and versions of ourselves that are less comfortable. So, so authenticity um, is something that if you go to a playground, you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of kids showing up exactly as they are, um, showing you uh, how they feel and what they want. Um, and of course, you know, one of the things we talk about in the book, of course, we have to show up to our environments in different situations and, and flex to that environment in order to be effective and impactful. Um, but what does it mean to, to be, to be able to show up as our authentic selves? It, we, it's, it's, better for ourselves, it's better for the people around us. So 
Um, so we talk a lot about what are the ways in which we can know, are we flexing to this environment in order to be um, more, more effective and impactful, or are we having to show up and change who we are? Are we modifying ourselves to an extent that's, that's not really good for our own state of being and also is sort of negatively impacting the way that people um, are perceiving us and our ability to be effective? And I'm just... You know, I have my own thoughts, but I'm just curious, why do you think we've lost that superpower? Why are people less authentic than they used to be? We, as we grow up, the world starts to give us all sorts of, of signals and signs and cues about how we're supposed to be. And, you know, for some of us, it's a matter of survival. For some of us, we make ourselves smaller um, in order to be okay, in order to be safe. Some of us just make ourselves smaller um, because we get you know, we get little clues that people don't like this and don't like that about us. We we diminish ourselves and sort of rough up our edges to, to fit in. A lot, a lot of it has to do with tribe and belonging, you know, and, and wanting to, to belong. Um, so we sort of get some of some of us get smaller, some of us get bigger, but we flex and change in order to, to be safe um, or to be okay or to fit in. Um, and sometimes we end up in a situation, you know, we, we, we coach people that are, they, they show up and they're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I've done, I've done so much flexing, <laughs> right. And so much changing in order to, to be okay and be accepted that I don't even know who I am anymore. So if I want to be more authentic, what are one or two ideas that you would suggest that I incorporate in my life to be more authentic? Notice, notice when you feel at your most most comfortable and alive um, and and content and with with what you're doing and how you're showing up, notice when the way in which you're showing up um, doesn't doesn't feel good. Notice if if um, how people are responding to you, what they're responding to, and are the things that they're responding to things about yourself that you value. Um, you know, is is how you're showing up. Um, and how people are receiving you, are those things aligned? And, and do you like and enjoy and feel confident and comfortable in that version of, of yourself? A lot of it is, just, is really noticing and paying attention, right? To you, to, to you and how you feel and then how, how, how people are perceiving you and what that, what that looks and feels like. So sort of just being deliberate, meaning to take the time and evaluate and think about you know, is that how I would have been when I was younger? Is that who I really am? How am I conforming? Which is cool. Am I comfortable? Am I getting what I want? Am I do? Am I doing what I want? Am I? Am I having fun? <laughs> you know, playfulness is one of the superpowers in our book. Am I able to to show up and be whatever level of playful is comfortable to me? And that's there's a lot of and we talk about that in the book that be, that being authentic has a lot to do with sort of playing around with the edges of of your comfort levels and and, and how you show up to situations. Am I missing anything, John? No, no, I, I think you're spot on. Um, and we do, it is about, I love the word consciousness because you know, oftentimes we're just not conscious. Yeah. We act on autopilot, automatic thinking. We have, a, you know, it comes to our habit center and we react and we react in a certain way as leaders and we make decisions in a certain way. And we fall into a pattern that we're not even conscious of. And so well, this is about going from the sort of the low ground to the high ground or transactional thinking to more strategic. Yeah, who do I want to be and how am I showing up? And this is the best version of myself because there's a better version of ourselves. Yeah, I, I, you know, as I sit here and I think, you know, I think we're all crafted by the world around us. I think your point is, ver is very valid. And when you do start to become more authentic and become real, just to, out of curious, any differences in the generations 
in terms of like are are the the millennials and Gen Z more likely to be authentic or less likely to be authentic? I don't think that they're less likely to be authentic, but but I definitely think that they want to be surrounded by authenticity. They want to be able to show up to work as their full selves. They want to be in the presence of, of, of what they perceive and feel as authentic leadership. This is a this is a generation, God bless them, that I, I they they really want to have an integrated professional and personal life, um, which which sort of in it, it means not having to show up at work and put on a bunch of different airs and manners and ways yeah. of being. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean a lot of people like are afraid of the younger generations. I think they're amazing. I, I really Don't do. Be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. Yeah. So <laughs> they I, have a lot I, to I, I've already determined that playfulness and curiosity are two of the others. Um, which one do you guys want to talk about next? I mean, cur curiosity. We love curiosity because it's obvious that kids have curiosity. And, you know, if you've ever hung around two year old, three year old, and the questions they ask and the curiosity. So you have to ask yourself sort of what happened to us, you know, that's so obvious that it existed. And so many things happened. But at the core, a couple of things. One is, you know, you, you start to get really validated for answers and not questions. The education system is all about knowing the answer and having the right answer. Uh, you go to college, same thing, you get interviewed, you know, how was your answer? So your parents, you know, God love them, but they're asking questions like, don't you think you should wear a jacket? Are you sure you want to hang out with those kids? They're asking leading questions. So the world around us starts to tell us not too subtly that answers are the way to go. And if you want to ask something and get what you want, you ask a leading question. Because, you know, and, and we're told, you know, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to and all this other things. And so you grow up in that environment. And then we start to fall in love with our own point of view, right? We, we were a bunch of people walking around with points of view and we act like it's the truth, but it's just a point of view. So we're, we're there with our point of view. We love in our point of view. We have the confirmation bias going for us. So that's great. <laughs> Confirming everything we think we know. And so it's, it's really a tragedy of sorts, right? I mean, I think one of the tragedy of being a human is this idea of, uh, really wanting to be right versus wanting to learn more, you know, yeah. just because right gives us, we don't have to think so much and she's in a crazy VUCA world. Can't we just be right and not have to think, you know, with all this complexity. So curiosity is foundational in some ways to all of these. You gotta be curious about yourself. <laughs> you gotta be. One of the questions that I've been grappling in my life with is what does it cost me to be right? Yeah, because I have this desire to be right. I have this desire to prove I'm the smartest person in the room. And yet that pushes people away. Uh, it causes me to argue about things that are completely ir irrelevant. And, you know, I should just yeah. let it go. Let it go. So um, yeah, totally John, John has designed a great because um, it's really fun, just amazing to see how um, how hard it is to stay curious because the world is so doing that thing, right? It rewards us in so many ways for being right and clever and smart. But John's designed a great activity that we sometimes do in our training where you get people talking about an issue that they care about um, and you challenge them to ask, what is it like? Like three curious questions about the issue that they have a point of view on. And 
we almost never have a participant that can ask more than one, maybe one curious question about the issue before they're asking, you know, before they're doing veiled advocacy. Yeah. But all the questions are leading questions, trying to convince, trying to write the curious so hard to have curiosity about so, something. Yeah, like so it's as simple as, you know, the government should pay off all college loans. And somebody says, well, I think that's ridiculous. Okay, well, I think it's a good idea. So ask me questions. And they just can't ask questions. <laughs> they, they can't, it they just can't form a good curious question. And so it becomes a real aha for people, how much well, their own existing ideas and mental models and beliefs and all that other stuff get in the way of curiosity. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I know we got three more superpowers, but let's just veer for a second. Sure. Uh, because this is, you know, you're talking to trainers here. Right. And, you know, I know your company. The listeners don't know your company at all. And, and I, we're not at the point where I want you to get into your company. But yeah. how do you apply this concept of teaching people to be curious, uh, to be authentic, or any of your superpowers? How do you? train people you know in in the real world and the you know because we have trainers listening how do you take and apply these things that are in your book how do you get it out of people and you you talked about workshops and gameplay and things like that but you know tell, tell us a little bit more yeah I'll, I'll, you know we don't necessarily teach everything in, in this book in a program although we have components of it but curiosity is probably the most you know linear one where you can take the book and say okay how would you teach this i mean first we got to state the problem so any kind of learning it's typically like hey you're not curious and that's okay <laughs> and here's why you're not curious your parents are to blame isn't that great you know and they ask you these questions and then you go out and ask your customers and this is where it becomes contextual you ask your customers you ask your direct employees you ask whoever these questions which are also leading um and you have this confirmation bias and you have, and you know, we like talking. And so you can give a lot of different con uh, text around, okay, you're not great at this thing. Um, so then curiosity is demonstrated by questioning. So we have this very, I was walking my dog once and I thought of this activity where you show people like an office and you say, what questions would you have? And people are like, uh, I don't know, where's the, where, where's it at, um, you know? Uh, how many slides are in that PowerPoint? Slides in that, it's, it's a picture, you know, it's a picture yeah. of a slide and it's just a basic picture. And they, can, they can't come up with a question. They come up with one or two questions. Then I show them this flying cat thing I found on the internet. It's like a Star Wars flying cat thing. Everybody gasps and everybody starts to ask a lot of questions. Hmm, very so, interesting. Wow, so interesting, right? So you can be curious. <laughs> Look at you asking questions. <laughs> you, so then it's like, you need to apply flying cat curiosity to this world. So let's go back to that world. That's your world that you live in. And let's get more curious. So usually it's, here's the problem we have. You have it inside you. Look what you just did. And now let's talk about what makes a great question. So that would be the flow. Yeah. You know, and there's different types of questions you can teach people. We teach people uh, questions that make the other person think, make the other person speculate. Don't ask the E, and we, you know, there's open and closed-ended, but questions that are open-ended aren't necessarily great questions because the other person doesn't have to think. It's when they have to think that they become great. Tortle Training's Learning Matter experts are passionate about designing effective solutions that move the needle. 
Whether your organization needs development of e-learning courses, instructor-led training, or assistance with creating optimized electronic versions of employee handbooks, our team can help. To learn more, visit tortle.com slash learning dash development. So when you work with companies and help teach them leadership, what are the kind of, like when you teach curiosity, what are the changes? What are the benefits? What are the results that you guys see? Karina, um, what you can you do a lot of the training on this area, so and then I'll speak to it too. Well, people really start to feel that they have actually, you know, because it, because it's sort of daunting, right, to think like, okay, I need to become more curious um, in in order to be in order to unleash the best in my people, or in order to. Um, ingratiate my customers to me, you know, you, you, of course we want to be more curious about our customers. We want them to experience us as being wildly curious about them and what they need. Um, so, so we give them some tactical things that they can do. We show them what better good questions look like. We show them what listening, actual listening to them might look like. How is it different from what you're already doing? And one of the things that we try to build into our training programs is, is little activities that show people what they're already doing. Because some of us are, might be inclined to think, oh, I don't do that. Oh, no, I'm a good listener. Oh, no, but I ask good if, questions. If I, if I went to these companies six months later, mm -hmm. what are the changes that I see? In the I think company? you'll find leaders that have more tools available to them and more that are better. They're better at having some frameworks and tools that slow them down and make them do things a little bit differently um, so that they can be more, more effective with the people that they want to be effective with which is usually either their customers or their sort of direct reports. Yeah, I would, I, we do this thing that's, the best idea I ever had was this idea. Like, what do you have to believe about somebody to coach them? And we get people to answer that question. And the answers are always skill and will stuff, that they're committed, that they wanna work hard, that they're knowledgeable, that they have the capability. It's all that skill, will stuff, but they forget the most important thing. And what is that, you might say? <laughs> I mean, I've yet to have somebody answer this correct, well, not correctly, but the, but the answer we're looking for is that this other person knows something I don't. That's what makes it coaching. Otherwise, it's just talking. Yeah, that's very good. Unless I believe Karina knows something or Evan, you know something I don't know, why would I ask you questions? If I think I know it all, I'm going to ask you leading questions. I'm going to do yeah. my parent game on you. And we do, and then we explore with people. So why do we think we know it all? Which is fun, right? I mean, our training is intended to be fun. And we don't, we don't want to, it's just true. We do tend to think we know it all, but that's a human condition. Why is that? Mm -hmm. And so we get people to, I mean, you, to get the behaviors you want, you got to get to the underlying belief system, right? And so you believe you know it all today. You got to let go of that belief. I can teach a question until the cows come home, but if you believe you know it all, you're not going to be a great at questioning curiosity. So, John, do you remember the TV show Bewitch? Yes. <laughs> you looked at the color of my hair and said, I think this guy can take a I picture. remember it too, by the way. <laughs> okay, do. Look at you. All right. I, I think that single show has had such a negative impact on the world of business. How so? I remember. Because, because you've got Darren and you got Larry Tate. Right. Larry's the boss. Larry asked Darren to do the dumbest things and Darren just does them. Doesn't question <laughs> You remember that in the show? Yes, yes. The constant theme in the show 
is they can't say anything negative to, to Larry because Larry could just fire them and they just got to do because Larry's the boss. Right, right. Jeez. And I think it's an old construct, but yeah, it doesn't help. That And that still exists, right? And, people, and sometimes that's in people's minds that report to Larry now. Yeah. I mean, Larry wants their ideas. He wants to be challenged, but the, you know, again, you know, taking risk and, and this playfulness thing and taking the, you know, being your authentic. We do, and we do a lot of work. A lot of our training is, is about helping leaders um, create ownership in their people, right? Create accountability and ownership or help, un, un, I'm gonna use unleash again, unleash a sense of ownership in, in their people, which means that that character would ask a lot of questions and make sure they understand and hopefully bring a few solutions to the table, et cetera. So that's a, a big part of our leadership. I had, a, I had a leader I was coaching once and he said, all my people act like children. And then I said, well, so what are you acting like? <laughs> he goes, oh, I guess the dad. I'm like, yeah, you're reaping what you sow. Mm -hmm. I said, would they act like children for me? And he said, probably not. I'm like, yeah, they wouldn't because I would treat them like adults. So, you know, we teach people how to treat us and we teach them about themselves in terms of how we treat them. Uh, and so it's very powerful to unleash that if you can get out of your own space yeah. and have, have the answers and having to think you know it all. And curiosity is, is a way out of that trap. So, so my listeners would be upset if I didn't ask what the other two superpowers are. But there's three. There's um, I got playful, curious, play, okay, yeah. resilience, resilience. So you got to be resilient, right? And then uh, compassion, compassion. Uh -huh. Yeah. So compassion is a cool one because you know we had a debate when we came up with the five. Curiosity was the first one that kind of came to us, and then we thought there must be five, and then we debated the five. But compassion. We uh, one of the writers is a elementary educator you know, get a master's degree in that. And he you know, made the argument for compassion. He said, and I read an article recently that talked about kids, you know, helping other kids out when they fall, even if he's the bully, they feel badly and they try to take care of them. And so compassion was an interesting addition. So those are the five, uh, the two. Okay, I'm going to ask you the tough question. I, I bet no one's ever asked you this question. Yes. What's the sixth one that never made the book? I mean, we really we really ended up feeling like you can you can get the other ones into these five yeah 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 so there wasn't one on the bubble i mean you know i'll also I mean noticing at one point that kids notice everything but that's a little bit like curiosity they yeah. they're constantly absorbing was one that was sort of Risk-taking, we thought, but then when we did the research and we think about it for more than half a second, you go, no, risk-taking is something teenagers do. You know, they're bigger yeah. risk-takers. So it's not a childhood characteristic. Um, I, do, I do think that, so, you know, I have a, a saying, which is, I hope my biggest failure is yet to come. Yep. Because if it isn't yet to come, it means I've stopped trying. Right. And I do think that innovation is an important part of being successful. And that there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time being safe. Um, yeah, I think that I think that we thought that playfulness covers a lot of that. Playfulness is very much about playfully um, approaching and trying without without an outcome in mind, right? Yeah. Just just playing around and not thinking about why <laughs> and yeah, where I, I hope you appreciated the playfulness and the curiosity of my question of what the six was <laughs> no no it's uh <laughs> not just to speak badly of uh 
another company, but there was that company that had seven and then they came up with an eighth. And I yes. said, and then I did a broadcast one, a, a, a webinar once where I said, let's guess the ninth. Um, <laughs> there's always gotta be another one, but that's, we, we put creativity, imagination, innovation under playfulness. Under playfulness. You could yeah. have put creativity, you could make an argument, right? For someone that could have been sure. a six. But we like the number five too, five lost superpowers. It kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue. It's a good title. It's no doubt it's a good title. I, I give you it's a good title. Well, we're we're gonna run out of time and I, I've got to ask you this question because I think people want to know is tell us about your company. Who are the what do you do? Who are your best clients? Uh clearly, from what I can tell, you guys are fun to work with. You're playful, you're about culture change, about making businesses more effective. And so I think people would love to know more about what you do and who, how you how you work. I mean, that's a great way that I'm glad you said that we have a quote from Ernst Young, who happens to be one of our largest clients. And she's in the end of the quote, the chief learning officer said, you guys are just fun to work with. <laughs> and, you know, we did great work, but forget all that, you know. So I would say a couple things about people who are thinking about who are these people and why would I want to work with them? One is, you know, we believe context is king. So we really believe relevance matters. We think that's what the participants care about. We're very participant centric. So we think participants, first question in their head is, did these people understand our world? You know, so, you know, am I being engaged? So you know, am I being respected? So, you know, there's wisdom in the room. We're gonna re recognize that. We're gonna treat them that as there's no sage on the stage. We're not talking to people. We're engaging them the entire time in their own learning. Um, it should be fun and design really matters. Uh, you know, learning outcomes matter. I know some people are on the train, they're going to be not happy when I say this, but learning outcomes matter. But what matters, I think, even more is the design that gets you that learning outcome. Sometimes people focus on the wrong thing, you know, is the learning outcome written correctly? And I'm like, well, you should be asking more questions about the design that gets there. Because yeah. I can get you a great learning outcome. A lot of people can write great learning outcomes. That doesn't mean the learning's any good. You're talking to the right people right now when you're talking about this, because they, you know, the people listening right now love training and understand and get yeah the the the, the impact and uh, design is key it's and yeah it is it, it's it's it, you know I, I we went a recent piece of business that we won we were the only training company and there were big training companies they were looking at we were the only one that talked about design and i said what did they talk about and they said well they talked about their content you know so their models they talked about, they chose to talk at people about their stuff. And we wanted to talk about what the participants gonna experience in terms of the learning and why that learning is the way to go. So um, anyone who's looking for a partner, flexible, quick, um, you know, we draw from can all I, the- Can I add one other thing? Yeah. Knowing just a little bit about your company. Yeah. You guys have tremendous content, but you are not a, off-the-shelf company, you're custom. Right. Create a need, you create a product specifically for your client's need. You've got a wealth of material and, sure. and expertise. But I think that's so important because a lot of companies have, you know, sort of like, you know, change the name, change the logo, you know, off we go. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think every company is different. What you start with is different. The culture they currently have is different. I think the customization you do is really a, a, a powerful benefit. Thank you. The, the people use us in three ways. One is 
we they we're also known for our facilitators because it is it is great adult facilitation so we'll get hired uh, to do facilitation of other people's content so it's an outsourced business but they will hire globally we have facilitators across the globe they just like the fact that we really understand how adults learn we're respectful to them and that capability and that really grew up from our relationship with uh, ey ernst and young to create that capability they use us extensively that way um but we also obviously do custom design pure custom designs subjects they've never tackled before hey we're thinking about this we don't have any stuff but let's let's do it together and we create some really cool interesting stuff based on that and then finally we have a lot of leadership programs sales programs uh but no program is to your point is ever run the same way twice because we do the discovery, we find out that they need a little of this or they need a little of that, or we want to include, I just had a conversation yesterday, you know, we want to do coaching, but we want to do a little bit on, you know, developmental planning. And so, you know, we're going to mix and match and put stuff together. So it, it sounds like you take your five superpowers and actually put them to use. Oh, all the time. I mean, they, they, we, and Karina, right? We live and breathe them. Oh, yeah. Yes, and it, which which is why it makes it fun. It's fun to work together. It's fun to we we have a great time, and and I think we also challenge each other. You know, we notice when when somebody's sort of short on curiosity, right, or, <laughs> <laughs> or playfulness, or whatever it, it may be. <laughs> so, um, I know you guys have an offer. Yeah. So why don't we, uh, if we could go to the offer, that would be great. Okay. Yeah. So, if. if as an offer to the group listening to the podcast, we'd love to send you the first 20 people who respond uh, a copy of our latest book, which is The Five Lost Superpowers. And uh, you can get that offer by emailing me. Uh, I'm John, J-O-H-N, at J-M-R-E-I-D group.com. So it's John at J-M-R-E-Group.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to be able to send you books. So Why don't you give the email one more time slow enough so that people <laughs> want to look at your website will also get your website okay john j-o-h-n at j-m reed r-e-i-d group.com and our website's www.jmreadgroup.com thank you evan for for that these are important details yes, yes they are <laughs> i get so excited about curiosity i forget about the marketing okay so you know our listeners know that Sometimes the best things come at the end when we ask for your one piece of advice. Uh, Karina, do you want to go first? What's your one piece of advice? If you had to share it with this audience, what would that be? I guess I would go with that whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether it's build in more curiosity or authenticity or um, be more mindful about what you're paying attention to, which is very related and what you have control over, which is quite related to resilience. Um, or what, what, or trying to be a, a, a better leader in any number of ways that you, you can't do any of it without building in the ability to slow down, without building into your day moments where you pause and say, why do, why do I feel the way I feel right now? Why do I feel out of control? Why do I feel overwhelmed? Why do I feel bad about the way that interaction went? You know, why do I feel overwhelmed? What, whatever it is. But if you don't stop and pay attention to what you're feeling, especially after encounters with your people, nothing's ever going to change. So finding ways to build those pauses in and to sit with whatever discomfort you're experiencing, because all the information that you need about what you need to do differently so that you're going to have a different impact and a different experience 
Um, all that information is in those moments of discomfort that you're experiencing. So building in ways to slow down and be with them and look at them and think, what do I want to do differently so that this doesn't, so that it doesn't feel this way the next time this thing happens. That's a great tip. Really yeah. great tip. That's great. I, you know, I, I have days where I literally go from one Zoom meeting to another, to another, to another, to another. Um, and, you know, you, your brain, you, you never take the time. And that's, that's right. a great, that's a great, really good tip. Thank you. John? Uh, Karina's was so good. I just want to repeat it and act like it was mine. But <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think I'm all, I think the listeners will see right through that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, well, the other day I was, it was in LinkedIn and there was a person that posted something and it was pretty extreme, right? They had a person, they had a, pers a point of view about things, right? And they were, I won't say what they are, but they were they had a, a, a strong point of view. And their title was learning and development manager. And I was saddened by that because you know i i think my tip is always my epiphany came when i re, when i learned the ladder of inference uh, from chris arges you know the ladder of inference were inferential beings and i just realized i'm a guy with a perspective mm. you know that's all i am and we're that's all we all are i have a point of view <laughs> and i can be in love with my point of view and get defensive at my point of view and focus on my point of view or i could actually spend my time and energy trying to understand other points of view which make me a better human if I do that, I don't get any better by focusing on my own point of view and trying to browbeat people into that. So I think just recognize that's all you are. You know, mm -hmm. we're not we're not objectively right about most things. We're just subjectively right. We have a point of view, and so once you accept that, then you can start to let go. Yeah. Then then you're open to other people's point of view, and you become more curious. Yeah, and they respect you, and they'll listen to you. You know, if you there's a line we have, you know, the line that I heard the gift of going second, you know, if I can be curious about your point of view, yeah, then you'll be curious about mine. So if I can lead with curiosity, that, that does a lot of good things. John, that's a really good tip. Karina had a better tip, but your tip is very, very, very good. Um, okay. There's a competition, by the way. Thank you, Evan. I want to thank you both for being on the show. I want to thank my listeners. Without you, we would not have a show. Really appreciate you. And I want to thank my friends at the C-Suite for being great sponsors. Uh, thank you both again. Everyone have a great day. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.